Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and class in session. Not pure as Scott. But that's all right, man. It, you look like Powder with a beard. Powder? You don't know who Powder is? No. Well, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay, and today I am joined by the father of the tooth pelican, Damien Both. How are you doing today, Damien? I'm doing good, Headmaster Jay. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've been in the principal's office, and... I can see where the uh, school fees go, looking around. Very yep, funky. yep. Mm. <laughs> so, Damien, uh, powder. I, I guess I should explain that. It was like this albino guy with no hair that had, like, special powers. And if you had watched the movie in the 80s, you might have known that. He was uh, super white, like we were talking about in the living room. <laughs> but it, makes, it falls on deaf ears when you've never seen powder. <laughs> <laughs> so Damien, um, he is actually the one that joined us uh, back in the original uh, first, what, 10, 10 episodes, 15 episodes. I can't remember which episode Tooth Pelican was, mm. but um, Damien was listening to the show from the very beginning. Before we get into anything else, I want to thank you for giving me the coolest experience on this path that I have had to date. So Damien, actually, um, the show, the episode that we had was something called Two Pelicans. And the reason behind that was we were just talking about, Eric and I were discussing, uh, you know, different myths or different, um, what, are the, what are the terms for it? Uh, like, what was the tooth fairy? It's like a folk like Legends thing. around the world. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. So we, did, we just kind of started making something up when we talked about um, in Greece, they throw their teeth on top of the roof. Mm. And eventually we ended up on a pelican, picking up the teeth, going back to Santa Papadopoulos. <laughs> so, so we... We, um, that's how the tooth pelican was born, but uh, Damien was so kind as to create an amazing rendition of the tooth pelican and sent it all the way from Australia. So for, for that, I, I want to make sure that I thank you so much because that's not something that people do nowadays and it meant more than you could ever know. It's something that I talk about all the time when people come in the studio, I can't help but talk about it. It, it is so unique. It is. <laughs> Nobody it, has I don't know what it is about pelicans. It seems to be the thing. Um, at work, one of my employees, he always refers to people as pelicans. And I, I asked him why. And he said, have you seen the yeah. pelican? They're not exactly the smartest looking things around, are they? Um, I don't know if you can see it on the video. I know it's not for any of your listeners. Oh, I'm pointing. Why am I pointing? There's another one sitting on the printer ready to go. Oh, man, that's awesome. I cannot wait. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Oddly enough, it's hard to find a 3D printable version of a pelican. I had to hunt for that thing. But I can't even remember why. Like I was just listening to your show. I think I was driving into work. And I thought, what a cool idea. Let's, let's print a pelican with a tooth in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. Anybody that, see, you know somebody gets you when they can, they can do a rendition of exactly what you were describing. Just <laughs> spot on. And I feel you. <laughs> I can go a little bit too far. Uh, a friend of mine, he has a Twitch stream, and he referred to someone in his chat room as a colossal cock because you are acting like a colossal cock. And I couldn't help but it, I thought, I'm going to print one of them. So I had to spend like a giant the week Googling how to print a cock. <laughs> oh, my God. Like a legit one. Like you're at the bakery. You're putting some uh, some round basketballs on either side of the whole nine. Mm. Mm. So he has a penis statue on his show now. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Mm. That is amazing. I'm not printing no, you one. No. You're not having one. I don't want one. <laughs> <laughs> I already have, like, first two items in the studio from people that have listened or been on the show. One is the tooth pelican, and the second is the 
the what is it the first or the the other twenty eight days alternative <laughs> uses for feminine hygiene products. <laughs> it's Karen Laven book she wrote when she was younger never got it uh, published really didn't get a lot of uh, life behind it but it was so funny so many ridiculous ideas that you could do with you know like swiffering with a giant maxi pad and all sorts of stuff. I think she even has one that says you can put a maxi pad on top of your glasses if you don't have a hat and use it as a visor. <laughs> I feel like that this book would be about how to have people avoid you, really. Uh, hey, I mean, if you in this day and age, I think that's a good thing, right? You can probably put them on your face. I mean, COVID and all of that sort of stuff. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I can't recall. You haven't had an Aussie on your show before, have you? No, I have not. I've been excited about this because Ooh. you're... You are our cousins down there, you know. It, we there's a there's a special bond between Australia and the U.S. We're, we're cousins. We're both fleeing away from some the same place. Yeah, but Australia is more like the younger cousin that looks up to you guys and says, "We'll come along. Can we come?" I love it. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Yeah, you. I no. I, that's not original thinking. Mm. So hit me. It's going to disappoint you, but is there anything you've ever wanted to ask an Aussie? Yes, the toilet does flush the other way. We can start with that. You know that, of course, that was the first thing that popped in my head, but I, I bypassed it because I know that everybody asks that question. Mm. You know, it is bizarre to have the seasons flipped and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, honestly, are all Australians, do they always use such candor when they speak to each other? I feel like they're super straight up with you. Mm. I can mm, be pretty blunt and direct, though. Like That's I, what I mean. Yes, but I have been in situations where I've had colleagues say, how can you say that to someone? Well, Because they don't know how. It's not even in their, yeah. their DNA. But we are. We're pretty direct. And people do struggle a little bit with our humor too because it can sound like we're being a bit derogatory or abusive. That's great, though, because it, know, it, right? it breaks down walls. Yeah. That's the best kind of humor. So how many kangaroos do you pass every day on the way to work? Not oh, actually six or seven. Oh, okay. I was joking. <laughs> in America, we just assumed that everybody's riding a kangaroo with their child in the front pouch. And because that's all we know about Australia, you know, we're very, very narrow minded. <laughs> Koalas yeah. and Steve Irwin and kangaroos and Look, nice reefs. Steve Irwin, brilliant, brilliant guy for, you know, all that sort of stuff that he was doing with animals, but also a little bit of an idiot. Like, oh, yeah, that was natural selection on live TV. Mm, you know, I wouldn't go anywhere near half of those things. Um, I tend, where I live is a little bit out of, uh, like, metropolitan uh, Adelaide, so that way there's farmland nearby and there's a lot of kangaroos and, that sort, and snakes. So, yeah, I've had them. I was driving to work, and it was still built up, right? It's not like country hip town. And, yeah, just turning onto a freeway, kangaroo, phew, straight across the front of the car. They have no clue. I feel like the kangaroo are like deer in the U.S. They just yeah. dart in front of everything with no regard for their own life. Pretty much. And, you know, they even things like I mentioned to you earlier, like koalas, they look nice and cuddly, and, yeah, the ones in the zoos are... But don't go out to any of them in, in the wild. They'll chew your face off. <laughs> I kind of want to see an angry koala just whipping somebody's oh, ass. They sound horrible. They have this terrible growl. And you can hear them in the trees. <laughs> they get nuts. So, yeah. Oh, anything anything in Australia that's, that breeds is probably going to kill you on some level. Well, all the snakes alone, you guys have so many deadly, deadly, deadly snakes. I mean, I'm in Florida and we've got, you know, our fair share because of the tropical climate. You know, we've got rattlesnakes, coral snakes, moccasins, all that kind of stuff. But yours are like super aggressive and they're everywhere. They're in trees, they're on the ground, they're all around you 24-7. And scorpions and this and that. Everything's deadly in Australia. Well, the most Australian thing I heard the other day was our national broadcaster, the ABC. Uh, it's been the running thing for the entire week. There's a deadly brown snake in the TV studio and they can't find it. And so they're just... I feel like, I feel like you're setting me up for something when you say there's a deadly brown snake in the room. <laughs> no, I'm not. And I was listening to the radio like stream joke. and they're going, look, um, there is a snake in the studio somewhere, uh, but <laughs> I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, okay, so a brown snake is super, super dangerous. Yes. I think even the babies can kill an adult. Yikes. So they tried to continue and rock on through the uh, 
through the yeah. broadcast with the brown snake just hanging out in there somewhere. Yeah, that's that's kind of hard. I wouldn't. I would not. I would work from home. I would just say, look, COVID. I have to work from home. You're not a snake guy. Not really. I'm not, I'm not a spider. I don't like. Uh, no, just keep not away. spiders either. You got a crap ton of those too. Yeah, I remember seeing. Ton. I remember seeing arachnophobia as a kid and like waking up screaming for about a week. <laughs> See, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in a shack with spiders everywhere. Like I every morning to go to the bus stop, I had to fight like giant banana spider webs from the moment I walked out the door to like another quarter mile to the front, you know, where the uh where the actual bus stop was every morning. I can't deal with them. I just can't. And yet my day job is an audiovisual tech climbing through roofs and under floors, and I still I'm like, nah. <laughs> That's some awful, awful hard work. It's sure. so hot. It's just hot. In in those spaces above, you know, especially the attics and stuff or the, you know, the that upper level of below the roof, man, you yeah. can only do it at like night. It's so bad up there. Well, yeah. I mean, we, you get used to it. You just have to be smart with it. I mean, for us, uh, summer is a 14 degree Celsius day. I don't know what that works out for. You guys, 130? Yikes, maybe. I don't know, because I think like 32, 33 is somewhere around like 90 degrees or something like that. Um, so yeah, hot as hell. Yeah, so the roof can get up to like 60 degrees. It, it's just oh. move because you poke your head up and you melt, but you, you do what you have to do. As long as you're smart with it, don't be an idiot. Yeah, stay hydrated, don't stay up there too long, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, all right, I throw this back to you. So you, you asked me a question. You live in Florida. Your reputation is a little bit weird. Like, it seems to be when there's things that happen, you know, when you have, like, uh, Chicago to up to me always seems like it's a cold place. New York is a busy place. You've got San Francisco with the bridges. And then you've got Florida where you've got some guy wearing a miniskirt and no teeth walking a crocodile or something. <laughs> it just is, is you're, you're, you're not wrong. Of, <laughs> You're not wrong. However, there's um we had a friend from uh a Florida Man on Florida Man podcast a little while back on uh Wayne McCarthy and he had uh he had pointed out that um we have something called the sunshine law here where there is no delay between what goes on the news and what has been arrested or taken care of. It's like it's fair game immediately. So anything can be broadcast on the news without any delay because of the laws here. I don't understand what that, you know, all entails. But the way he explained it was that it's it's not like that in other states. On top of that, this is a concentration of more different cultures than you could possibly imagine. Everybody runs to Florida. Mm. Everybody bakes in Florida. There's no winter in Florida. It's just hot. And you sit here and you get a concentration of people that you're home. Homeless, where do you want to be? Somewhere where you're not going to freeze half the year. Mm. You come here. You have no state tax. You come here, right? There's so many because we use tourism for our uh, our taxes. You know, people go to uh, Disney, stuff like that. So that's how the state gets their money. Um, on top of that, man, I think the uh, the cost of living is lower. So that just invites even more, you know, mm. people in dire straits and things like that. I, I what, One of the other things you pointed out was you literally will go through a different culture every couple of miles in Florida when you're traveling around. What's the go weirdest thing that you've seen then? Like, have you gone out your back door and gone, oh, hey, hon, there's an alligator on the back step. Uh, well, yeah, I've seen tons and tons of alligators. And when I was a kid, I lived next to a creek mm. that um, the alligator was in my front yard. <laughs> all I heard was the dog barking and I went outside and the dog was like, you know, dangerously close to the front of an alligator and just barking at it. And I was like, oh, God, this is not good. Trying to get the dog. You know, gator doesn't really want anything to do with anybody. You know, everything that you hear about gators in Florida, generally it's a hold my beer scenario or some mm. asshole that's been dropping steak in front of it for like... Like the last year and then shows up empty handed and wonders why it took their arm. It's <laughs> then there's the media crew going up and down the road, isn't there? Going, oh, yeah, that's on Channel 7. Yep, exactly, exactly. But weirdest thing, I, there's so many things that happen here, man. But not that I don't, I don't get, I don't spend time in the locations where these things tend to happen. 
But I do feel like there's an energy in Florida where it's kind of like anybody that comes here is going to come out or is going to end up that way at some point. It's kind of like dropping an ice cube in boiling water. <laughs> You're going to become those that are around you just by sheer, you know, I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for, symbiosis. You know, you're just going to adapt and you're going to become closer to them. And it's it just doesn't go away. Do you find that that, that makes it interesting, though? It's like, wouldn't it just be a bit boring if you were in just a plain old city that just ticked along? Yes and no. Before, um, maybe when I was younger, yeah. It was like it was like running through a circus. You're like, yeah, check this out. There's always something new every day. Mm. And then as I've gotten older, I see the sadness behind every single situation. And that breaks my heart when I see these. You can only watch it so many times when somebody's on meth. Because mm. that person that's on meth, you know, while people put it on TikTok and Twitter and everywhere else, you know, they, they put like the dance music behind them, like, get it, get it, get it you know, <laughs> yeah. while they're dancing along. Yes, I recognize the humor in this, all right? But it's a horrible, horrible, horrible situation that that person's in because they're mentally ill, right? And it, you see these all around Florida, you know, and, and rather than making fun of them, which is what tends to be the thing that we go to now, we need to start trying to figure out a way to help them because what they don't know is that shit actually fucks your brain for life. It doesn't, it's not like, you know, damage you get from other drugs. It'll kind of come back. You know, mm. I mean, no, it will leave that personality disorder that you earned while you were huffing on it for life. Yeah. It'll, it will rot your teeth out immediately. It will screw you up. You will pick everything off your face. You know, I grew up in a town where that's around and it's, it's sad, man. And, for some reason, we're fascinated with it to the degree that we just want to watch it, but not fix it. Because it's easy to watch from a distance. I've been around it. I, we, part of my business is we have a couple of storage facilities where we keep all the gear. Mm. Uh, and there are a few of those, like homeless people, people are drug affected or whatever, that they can rent like a little locker to keep their stuff in. So I can see the behind the scenes. And so while it might be funny watching them dancing with a bus out the front, then they have to come in and they're like, well, this is my life in a backpack. But when they're affected by that, it's quite intimidating up front. So you don't necessarily I want to understand them that. because they are so volatile. You might end up copying it in the face and they don't even know they're doing it. Uh, it's easier just to watch it on TikTok and have a laugh with your mates. So I, I tend to agree with you in that regard. You should never approach somebody that's in the throes of a fun you know, <laughs> situation with their meth or, you know, I, I think a lot of there's, what was that shit people were smoking for a while? K2 or K, not K2, but it's something like that. Um, it was like almost like potpourri in a bag. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was a spice or some shit like that. Fuck their heads up. Um, you know, people were doing that for a while. Don't fuck with people in that this situation. Call, you know, like some medical people. Send them out there. Don't call the cops. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Try to get try to get the medical facility first. I understand nine one one will send them both, but you know we don't have to arrest these people. That's mentally ill. Not yeah. fucking. They're only killing themselves. Mind you, it is a worry. Like we have a campaign here for our uh, paramedics that on their trucks it says, um, "I'm trying to fight for your friend's life. Don't fight me because wow. of the violence." Yeah. And some of yeah. them, their mates might be affected somewhat. And so when they're trying to touch someone that's in that situation, they're getting clocked and it's disgusting. Should never hit that, that is, no, it, it's a sickness, man. We talk about a pandemic, man. We've been under a pandemic long before COVID came along. That pandemic is the fact that it's just what we're discussing right now. It's the inability yeah. to look each other in the eyes and the inability to identify the fact that somebody that has a drug problem we will hold on to the social ladder and the rung that we're on simply so we look better rather than helping somebody. We'd rather look down on them so we don't come down a peg. Also, we don't want to be grateful for the fact that we don't have that problem. Yeah. So if we leave it there and we look away, it doesn't, doesn't affect us. Hey, academics. Have you endured life's tragedies, trials, and tribulations? Did you adapt and overcome? Do you have advice for others to pay forward and want to be a guest? Then email us a brief two to three minute video to show at thetragedyacademy.com and tell us how our academics can learn and grow from these experiences. Thanks again for your support. And now back to class. I've been holding on to this one because I'm super fascinated with people that have this hobby. And I think you do this with your son and that's the astronomy stuff. Correct? Yeah, it's like astrophotography. Astrophotography, mm. that's what it is. What is that? So... 
you know when you see those pictures of like Hubble telescope takes those galaxies and nebula and, and that sort of stuff, deep space objects. Right. I've always had a fascination with it. And it's an expensive hobby, not a lie. Oh, yeah, it sounds ridiculously expensive. Just buying cameras and equipment for this kind of thing is expensive. I can't imagine when you want to take a picture of Uranus. Um, wow. Well, <laughs> it's a you Saturday know. night. There's still time. We can do this. <laughs> I, you, can, you can actually do it on a somewhat of a budget. And normal DSLR cameras that you can buy, even secondhand ones that are a couple of years old for five, $600, um, they can do the job. But I wanted to do a little bit more, and I was lucky enough, I had some pre-inheritance. My mum's a bit weird, right? She just went, oh, I've got this extra money. Have some pre-inheritance. I'll see you spend it. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> no, keep it. Just, just keep on it. it. Yeah. I'm on it. I will help yeah. you out, mum. You know, I don't want this to be stressful for you. I'll buy stuff. It's fine. Um, so I started to price it up. And you are looking, when you go down the rabbit hole, I did a lot of research. There's loads of different opinions about it. In the end, I just had to pick a certain telescope, a certain camera, and just go for it. And it is one of the most frustrating hobbies you can ever pick up. Because oh, is it, it is not a case of just plonk the telescope down and click a camera on and go, yes, I want to point over there, I'm done. You have to align it. It takes about half an hour to set up. It uses a computer to control it that sort of thing. And when you think you've got it nailed, fucking clouds come in. I was, I shook my fist at the clouds like Abe Simpson did in The Simpsons the other night because we're in winter. <laughs> I had a crystal clear night. I had set it up and I started taking photos and I checked the computer screen and it just washed out. And sure enough, it was cloudy, packed it all up. Oh, man. But how good have you gotten at lining that shit up now from all those failed attempts? It's kind of like a recording and audio video in a studio. If I went back and like unpacked all of the shitty, shitty recording mm. and stuff that I had or all the mistakes or all of the times I didn't, you know, it wasn't quite there. It makes you better at well, it. Of course later. it does. But it's still, I don't know, you then give yourself a different goalpost. So for me, with the photos that you take, they're not just like a clip. It take, it opens that shutter for, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. Wow. And because it's open so long, you need to track the movement of the Earth so you don't get star trails. So the mount has to track mm. the race of the Earth as well. And so for me, I could only do one-minute photos for a while before it got out of hand. And then I improved the gear, I improved my setup, and now I'm up to five minutes. So you always try and do a little bit more, push it harder and harder to get better pictures. Uh, but there are still nights where I am tracking along and then the fucking camera hits the mount and it just ruins the whole thing. I love a good yeah. meltdown. Like they're not, they're, they're not recommended. Uh, but at the same time, when you see somebody freak the F out and, and have one of those moments by themselves where they're just like, like those golf club mm. moments or just. Mm. There's been a couple of them <laughs> and it's usually at 1am. Because it, it's not, you, can, you can't take him during the day. And so my poor neighbors are fast asleep and hearing me screaming, for fuck's sake, clouds, you know. <laughs> screaming at the clouds, clouds like a lunatic oh, outside their house. Away. But the other, oh, so what, two months back, we had some eclipse, some lunar eclipse. So they like to the be blood moon, that sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 I remember. So I tried to take a couple of photos of that. And to line up the scope properly, I have a green laser pointer. And I was pointing it, getting it there. And there must have been some sort of party happening two doors down. And I hear, check it out, man. It's a green light in the sky. <laughs> you were somebody's I see aliens yeah. TikTok. And so then I, did it again. I was like, oh, I need to realign. And then I heard, do it again. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, I would have been doing all sorts of ridiculous stuff after that. Once I figured out that they were keyed in on that, they would have been watching it like a hypnotist. I'd have been doing stupid stuff to them all night yeah. long. I wouldn't be able to resist I it. I just like to think that there was like four or five people just high out of their brains going, oh, he's going to blow the moon up. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I heard that if you hit it in the, <laughs> the crater, <laughs> they'd be just coming up with shit. Absolutely. So these, what the mm. pictures, like this is, this is still art. This is still a passion. And I, I, I'm curious, what about those photos of these faraway galaxies and planets and, and things like that draw you in? I think it's the fascination to know that we are so minute and that there are things out there that are massive and we are then looking back in time a little bit. Well, we are a lot, actually. I mean, these things... That's a great point. It is looking back in time. All that light is old. Tens of thousands, billions of years, that sort of thing. And we are sort of absorbing it. Um, And it does, it has that enormous... You are exploring something. I like that. And as much as I'm coming into... People have been taking photos and discovering things for hundreds of years. which always confuses me because I was doing some research before this show about um, taking some photos of the Eagle Nebula and it says it was discovered in 1795. And I'm thinking, I have trouble lining up the bloody telescope with all my tech. How did someone in 1795 without cameras or anything do that and see it? That's that's a rabbit hole, my so friend. This rabbit it hole. makes us realign a lot of shit. When you start looking at mathematical accomplishments from the mm. past, it starts to debunk the shit out of it. Because that's math. All you're talking about yeah. is math. It's being able to to be an astronomer or track galaxies. It's it's a big fucking grid yeah. out there. And it's moving and it's it's constantly reshaping itself. But at the end of the day, it's math. And Egyptians and everybody else had fucking the... They were able to spot shit very easily. They mapped it very well with precise numbers, yet they were supposed to be whittling shit with a hammer and a Exactly. It's fascinating to me. But it's also about... um, you know, There's nothing better than being sort of... And I'm not one to go camping and doing all that sort of stuff. Being out on a summer night, you can just look up at the stars and see the enormity of it. And you see the satellites going over and... We've got Starlink as well that zooms around. That's quite fascinating to know that the human uh, evolution of technology and seeing that in play. But also from a simplistic point of view, the photos that come through are are amazing with their colours. Nature's had this explosion at some point, and I'm capturing that. I love the Hubble pictures. That's one of the places that I'll stop by every Mm. now and then, like on the NASA websites, and look at the... uh, at the photos of different, you know, galaxies and nebulas, whatever it is, uh, because it is amazing. And it kind of, it reminded me that because you're looking and you're exploring from the inside out, mm. basically, you know, from our perspective, right? And there's a, there's a series that uh, Will Smith actually narrated it. And it's, it's called uh, One Strange Rock. And it is from the perspective, uh, parts of it, or the majority of it is from the perspective of astronauts on the space station and the change in their mind and how they view the planet and humanity once they had looked at it from the top down, seeing it all encompassing. It changes who you are and it allows you to respect things differently. It sees different. You have a whole different mindset. So I think it's probably something similar, but the opposite direction. Yeah. You're recognizing, you know, our minuteness and you get to explore. That's what I like about it. You're an explorer. And- Keep in mind that a lot of the photos that you see online, they're, they're heavily manipulated. There's a thing called the Hubble palette. So they, they colorize them because a lot of the photos are broken up and you can put filters in. It'll only capture the red, it'll only capture the blue. Um, the photos that I take are, are full color, That's but I might take a hundred of them and you stack them all together in software to get the detail. Got you. So it's layers and you allow it because it's moving, because it's yeah. rotating, because it's doing all these different things It allows you to get a comprehensive picture of it from all directions. Mm. So you end up, you, you, you make a composite of it. And so that's why if you Google Orion's Nebula or something like that, that that's one that you could probably see with your naked eye in a clear summer night sort of thing. Um Oh yeah, that's the belt. I, that's that's the one that I always remember yeah. Orion since I was a kid because that's the belt. Orion's yeah. belt is the three stars right across the waistline. So there's heat, there's a lot in there. There's a horsehead nebula. There's all these other ones that are famous pictures. But those 
you'll see different color versions of them when you Google them because that's how people have interpreted them or colorized them or stacked them. That's that's almost disappointing. I don't want somebody else's. It is. It's like, it's like I don't know, man. You just kind of made Disney black and white or some shit. Like, well, I've ruined it. <laughs> you know what but, I mean? Yeah, because I was reading up about the Eagle Nebula and it's a very red one. And a lot of people modify their cameras to remove filters to allow more red in. But in reality, it's not necessarily that crazy red. There's elements of blue, there's gases, there's different things at different wavelengths. So, sorry. That just shows that any information that you receive, that it comes from somebody outside yourself, is subject to some kind of influence of some sort. We have to be able to see and recognize that stuff that we look at every day is not, a picture is not worth a thousand words. But it anymore. makes you wonder if... We would never would because if it takes light 20,000 years to get there, we're not as humans going to be able to get there. But it makes me think when I'm taking these photos, if I could actually get there, would it look like that? Would Absolutely no. not. And what colors would they actually be? It's almost like that Jodie Foster contact concept. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, we assume that we're going to be even able to interpret what it is oh. that we're seeing or that we have the senses to understand what it is. We're so minute, yeah. like you explained. I mean, when you look out to the outside, we're we're not even an electron, man. We're, we're so infinitesimal, but we put so much, you know, grandiose... Yeah. <laughs> Importance on ourselves. There's, there's massive importance on yes. us. And I'm trying to think of the the scientist or the astrophysicist that came out and said that sure, the existence of other life is is probable, is highly likely, but they're not looking for us because we've only been broadcasting for the last sixty to hundred years. Yeah, that's like it's like a nanosecond. It is. It's like a nanosecond. When we're looking at things that are tens of thousands of years old, billions of years old, why would they pick up on a little blip that is barely a speck of dust? <laughs> it's like it's like Citizen Kane versus yeah. a burp, you know, and the amount of yeah. information. <laughs> we haven't done and shit. And I saw an interesting, uh, uh, oh, what do you call it? It's like a picture online, and it had... Um, the, the number or the statistics of UFO sightings and the USA was just like this massive color. And it's like they all, I think the majority of UFO sightings come from your country. Why? Uh, hey, man, probably my state from, too. It's probably um, cool. We come back to the Florida man. Um, and, exactly. Now, I love this state. Here's, here's the thing. Florida is a good state. There are great sure. people here. It's just people don't understand the divides at times and they get stuck in these energies where they get upset for no reason just because everybody around them is upset. If they started to notice that, they could all just take a deep breath and exhale at the same time. Be a lot better. They could lay out together under the stars and maybe enjoy themselves. Because... <laughs> The sun, it's the sunshine state and just the same. If it's always warm, we get to go outside. I love looking at the stars. I used to love, that was one of the things I liked about the military was when it was dark and it was nighttime and you were out in the field, you could just lay there and hear nothing but look up and there's no light, you know, there's no, there's no, what do they call it? Like a noise and light litter. You don't no have solution. any of that. Nothing getting in the page. Mm. Correct. You get none of that in the way. And it's so but Do you think that it also you allows you to just take... Take stock for a minute. I find this. So it can be a Saturday night. Absolutely. It's a warm, clear night. And, and because I live outside of, from the city, it's quite dark as well. So no pollution. And you sort of can lie back and just see it. And you think, okay, why did I get so hepped up during this week over an email or, you know, stock not arriving for a job or an employee being an idiot? It, it allows you to just take that mental break. And go, we're, we're really nothing at the end of the day. So that's uh, not to say nothing. why bother. One should still try. <laughs> Get up in the pool. Of but, course. Yeah, I think it allows you to just have that mental pause for half an hour, 20 minutes, whatever. I, I would say that um, I think we've even hit a good point for wrapping this up. And that is that uh, we should all take the time to uh, relax and look at the stars for a little while, contemplate who we are and realize that um, we're not supposed to be doing a lot of the things that we do take a lot of this anger, energy, and upsetness on our own. It's it's a state of mind. and We've got to work around that. So reconnect. Well Damien, Damien, I genuinely appreciate you coming on. I, I couldn't love you more, man. You, you really did. You have no idea. That that meant more to me than you'll ever you'll ever know. Because when you're putting putting so much heart and soul into something and somebody out there recognize it for the, you know, and, and does something, you know, in the name of your art or part yeah. of your art, that's super cool. Yeah. 
super, super cool. So you're a good dude, man. I appreciate you. Do you want to, I I have to tell you a funny story, which you can can cut cut this out. It's fine. I don't care, man. It's the tragedy academy. I I had been married for 10 years with my wife for 15. We separated about a year back. So I'm on, I'm single, right? Sorry to hear that. So I happened to be out with a colleague of mine the other night, Thursday night. And I am so naive to these sorts of things. But we were at a pub, at, or a bar, as you would call it. They had a trivia night on. I can't stand that sort of stuff. It was dorky, whatever. And I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> it's the nerd is calling it dorky. It's if you've got to give yourself a team name for a trivia night, you need to do something else. But anyway, um, we were sitting there <laughs> talking, and we started to notice there were a lot of clearly single women about my age there. And my mate has just gone, maybe we should sign up to trivia. Let's not, but let's just sit. We'll sit back and look at the view, whatever. Three ladies came up to our table. One of them was blushing. She looked like a tomato. She says, hi, guys, are you part of the trivia night? I said, no, we're not. Um, We're just going to sit here. We're just having a quiet drink. And she said, well, can we swap tables with us? So we're closer to the trivia. I said, sure, go knock yourself out. I'm going to get a drink. So they're shuffling seats around. We, we move to a different table. And as I've come back, my friend said to me, oh, by the way, they asked us if we'd join them. <laughs> I was waiting for you to, how did you not notice this? And I've this? gone, and? He said, well, I said, no, no, we'll be right, thanks. And my mate's pretty smart. He'd probably answer all your questions anyway. And? He said, so, oh, I might just head off. It's a bit noisy in here. And then he started to school me about why we should come to these nights more often because there's lots of single people. Okay. We could be at their table with them. And me not picking up, they were looking over at us all the time, like smiling or whatever. This is not <laughs> on my radar. Well, it is now. And in the end, he said, oh, I might head off. And I said, sure, no worries. And I, I left as well. And I got halfway up the street and went, I am a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you blew it. You blew it, mm. like hardcore. And so... <laughs> I mentioned it to a friend of mine. <laughs> like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be nice about this one. You, you completely. Blew it. I, I spoke to a female friend of mine. I, I got home and I messaged her and I said, "This, this was strange. This happened tonight." And her response in capital letters was, "You are a boofhead." How did you, a, a boofhead? Dickhead. What is a boofhead? Oh, okay. <laughs> I've never heard oh, that term. We need to do a slang show. I'll come back on your show. We'll do slang. Um, and she said, how did you miss that, you idiot? To which I then also mentioned this to her, because I'm telling everyone, I mentioned this to a client. And he said to me, do you know, because you let that slide so hardcore, they probably think you're a gay couple. <laughs> no. Or here's the thing. You said they kept throwing mm. looks. There's an odd phenomenon. For some reason, the one that doesn't pay attention to them gets more attention. So you could walk back in the next time and they'll they'll want to know why you wouldn't talk to him last well, sure, time. Well, sure, I'm going with my friend. He's a terrible wingman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of lets you uh, fall on your mm. face and he shot you down. But I've got to say, it is such a strange thing. You know, if you've been with someone for so long, um, it's, it's not like when you're in your 20s and it's just throw caution to the wind. You don't really get tuned into that sort of stuff. I'm a nearly middle-aged man. You know, I've done all that sort of stuff. And so it's it's a bit of a retrain. It's quite fascinating. It is a whole realm that I am absolutely perplexed by. And I love people watching. Oh, especially in this day and age. Everything's changed. I mean, from out for our age, the game is, it couldn't be any more different for you than it was mm. when we grew up. And just seeing what people want like i have a an employee who's going through the same sort of thing and he signed up to all those dating apps and i've had a look at them and i've gone wow <laughs> it is it is an eye-opener you've got people who are in their 40s saying they're looking for a partner to do literally everything for them and i had one i saw one that they said <laughs> must have good teeth i'm like well this raises many questions like, why are you publicly out there looking for someone with good teeth? Were you with a hobo that had no teeth for a while? I don't, well, you can be a tooth bigot. You just don't have to say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. and, and would you score a date by saying, look, I'll meet you after the dentist? That is fucked up to just make you, just shame you in advance. Mm. 
So you just have to keep scrolling with your jack tooth, you know, and just make you think about it some more. You got to wonder what happened to her to make teeth her biggest Correct. Hand. If this aunt, oh, some of them, some of them is. There's something behind all of them. It, it, it is fascinating, but I got to tell you, I would fucking do it if your life, if, no, I don't envy you it, even a little bit. And there's too many cameras yeah. now. And I tend to be one that doesn't really have a filter either. So, mm. but you know what? Be of you. course. And that's the thing. And no, a lot of people won't though. I start to think so much of that world is so fake. There are those people that are like, well, I love to travel. Well, you can't travel. It's COVID. Um, and they've all got Instagram accounts and it's all filters and stuff. And I think that is not me. Take me as I am, whatever. Uh, I'm a firm believer and I always have been for everything in my life, from job to house to relationships, whatever, that things will come along, you know, it's a great way to look at it because they um, will do what you want to do. Uh, I I cannot stand when someone says, "Well, I'm in a shit job and I hate it." Well, change it because only you can change it. And I Amen. did it right. People say yes, but that doesn't pay the bills. You can get a job while you have one. No one's saying you've got to finish one thing, take a week off, and then go and find work. Um, and I know I'm going to anger a lot of people and they'll be rolling their eyes. I am in an industry that is very, very niche. Not every, like I've got an advert out for technicians at the moment. I've had two applicants. It, it's hard to get into, but I wanted to get into it and I was lucky. Yes, I was lucky in certain things, but I wanted to do something I was passionate about. And I had that litmus test when I did a work experience because I wanted to be a landscape gardener at one point. And I did work experience through school. And do you know what? It is okay as a 16-year-old boy to cry. Because that's hard. That job is hard. <laughs> I, know, I grew up on a dairy, man. I, I'm, I'm, so I get it. I decided, well, I'm an electronics nerd. I'm a tech nerd. I like audio. I like video. I'm a musician. I'm going to get into that. And I pursued that. And I've been happy for 20 years. So... But most people don't get that chance. You had, you were fostered or you had the the wherewithal to understand that that initial spark of creativity or that initial authentic spark in your childhood that told you what you wanted to be. You didn't get it squashed by society or some situation. You were able to capitalize on it quick. A lot of people won't and they'll go through their life and end up at that 40 year mark. And then they have a midlife crisis because they didn't do what they should have been been doing their entire life what they what they hate everybody else but for it's doing never too late to because start, they didn't though. do it there's a great ted talk it is not. of a guy who was a drug addict hermit living in the forest in new south wales for 10 15 years he admits he was a drop kick but at the age of like 50 i think it was he got himself into a uni course a free course that was just like a computing course learn how to write an essay type thing and that was enough for him to slowly step up and I'm not sure of his age, but he's now a professor of sociology at 65. Because there's no there rules. No rule. There's no limits. Do what you want. Have a shit job stacking shelves, working at Walmart or McDonald's or whatever you can get. But have on the side, make that time. Because saying there is no time is rubbish because you make time for things. Make time for your kids. You make time for a hobby. Don't go and watch football instead, go and study something for that hour that that game would be on. Do an hour a day. Do something that you want to do. It's therapy. It's what we yeah. need. It, the creative mind is something that we have ignored for so long. We've put it away in, in the name of logic, in the name of, you know, progress or whatever other thing. But we're forgetting that this seed of creativity is that spark in the beginning. And if you don't, you know, water it, you're not going to grow into anything that's productive in society except for something that beats itself for not having been what it should have been to begin yeah. with. And like now that I'm at my near midlife crisis, so to speak, I am a bit tired of doing what I'm doing and I'm looking at doing something different. And you know what? I would happily go off and mow lawns for a school or be a groundsman for a year. Who cares? Like That sounds amazing at times. Like I could just literally, like, like I've done labor jobs. I've done that kind of shit. You know, so it, I'm not, I'm not going in naive. So, uh, but it, the fact is, is it doesn't follow you at the end of the day. No. It isn't an email that sits there that gives you a stomach ache, you know, because you didn't respond to it. It's a lawn. It's there tomorrow. Pick up where you left off. Roll on. We get to this age, and look, I'm sure there are older people like, yeah, I've been where you are. It, um, you start to question, why do we do anything? 
why do I, in my case, have employees and have budgets and all that sort of stress every single day dealing with large sums of money for jobs and whatever? And I think, why? (laughs) Maybe mowing a lawn is an awesome idea. I don't care if they pay me $10 an hour or whatever. The the question is always why. We should always ask before we do something, why? Mm. Why are we doing this? Because most of the time, the answer is going to be really fucked up because there is no reason. That's right. We can stack reasons behind it. We can give it reasons. We can, we'll always, you know, it's kind of like Googling yourself into cancer or cope, you know, for a, for a clip toenail yeah. or whatever. When you, you do that, you're going to find what you want every Correct. time because it's a cognitive bias, yeah. but it's not no. the case. So as much as I'm not angered, angered one of your listeners, I'm sure, bring it on. But you at the end of the day, anger anybody. And people get jealous of it. So do what you want to do. And it's, You'd be surprised how many people are thinking just like you are right now. You'd be surprised where the the average guy is much more receptive to this conversation where they're going, you know what? Why are we doing this? Why are we repeating the same thing over and over again? What is there a high score? Like, did somebody win? What happens? Is there is there a different like expectation when you get to death's door? Like, what is it? We'll toil away all these hours and all this time and we'll give it away and give it away and give it away like a Red Hot Chili Poppers. Red Hot Chili Poppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers song, you know? But the fact of the matter is, is we have no reason to. You don't win. There's nothing there. And look, some people get it. They're lucky. They're the 1% with the money and that sort of thing. But I, I give more credit to that, that person shit. working the two jobs, but is also studying a degree at night to try and do something that they want to do. In there, in there, in there. That's how I got my degrees. Did it at night, found yeah. a way. You know, that's how I got all my, that's how I figured out exactly what you said, that there are no rules. You can be anything you want to be. Two years ago, I didn't know shit about audio, video, about, you know, music, anything of that mm. nature. And I didn't know that I was even inclined to have any talent with it. But this is just what I did. And the doors open up and they continue to open up, not for money, because that's not what I do it for. But if something needed to happen on the way, it will show its face when it's time. It'll pop up and it'll make itself available when it's time. In the meantime, if you're creating from that mindful moment, you don't give a and if it going. ceases to be fun, don't do it. It was no different than the podcast that I had for four and a half years, 200-something shows. It became a little bit monotonous, and we just went, you know what? We're fizzling out. Let's just call it a day. And there's no harm in that. That's what you got to do. No. Doing things for no no different outcome, that's the harm. When you're just beating your head yeah. against the wall. But I think if you're, if you're also trying to come at things like, I didn't start my podcast to become a famous podcaster and earn money off it. I did it because I wanted, I like talking to people and interviewing people. So it was a hobby. And exactly. it, it, it did all right. Like if your goal is to start day one, I'm going to record this and I'm going to be a famous Joe Rogan or whatever his name is, you're never going to do it. It's never going to happen. And you're going to get disappointed pretty quick. It's no different than my astrophotography yelling at the freaking clouds. I'll get there eventually. And that's the journey that you want to take with it. That's what you then look back when you nail it and you've got a beer in your hand just letting it do its thing. You go, yeah, but I just slogged my ass off for a year and now I'm here. 100%. But you're right. You've got to love what you're doing and then it's not work. There is truth behind that. And you can get to that no matter what stage of life Hmm. you're in. You can find a way. The only difference between you and the person that has what you want is that they're doing something. That is the only difference. If you do, you will achieve. If you don't, you will not achieve. It's very simple. Mm. How do you expect to, you know, get anything if you never take the leap? Yeah. It's the simple it's as a that. risk. I get it, right? There are some people going, yes, but if I take a risk doing that, I'm not going to pay the mortgage. I'm not saying just go and quit your job today. Abandon. Overlap them. Everything can overlap until you get to that point. You go, right. I don't have time because I'm dedicating so much to obviously work to pay the bills and whatever else I'm doing, when they start to overlap, make that jump. Know that you can do it. Absolutely. Because, you, I mean, what? Nature, uh, reality supports the mm. bold. It always favors the one that makes the decision and goes for it. It doesn't favor the one that just sits there and waits for death. Yeah. And I was reminded of this on Twitter before. There was a guy who takes astro uh, photos 
And he said, this is my last two days of work and I'm going to do photography full time. But he's been doing it for like years. So he's built it up enough. It's overlapped. It's gone right. I'm ending one. I'm going to start something new. There you go. The amount of resistance that he had probably between the two was about hmm. because he was always doing it for passion. Yeah. It'll work itself out. How do you think actors become famous actors? Singers become famous singers. Everybody's got the talent. Everybody's got the ability. It's just a matter of not, whether or not you do, whether or not you act on it, whether or not you mm. move, you know? So take action and then go lay under the stars, yes. right? <laughs> hey, thanks so much, Damien. Pleasure. I genuinely fun. appreciate you coming on, man. This is awesome. You're always welcome back. Please make sure you stay in touch. Yes. And um, remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning. Hey, academics. Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast. You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019, on TikTok at the Tragedy Academy, and on Twitter at Tragedy underscore Academy, where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info, and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class. And remember, be cool, keep learning. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items. Things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their Graphic Tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care, they have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees, but I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to thetragedyacademy.com. Go to our sponsors tab and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.